0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston.
1: There will be an accounting for believers as well, but it's not based on sin in that sense of like, that's covered for Christians. But there will be this judgment, and it's solely for those who have rejected Jesus. And so I would say Christians, let's let this motivate us to share the gospel with people. Anybody watching online or maybe down the road, this eventually will be on the radio, I'm sure. So maybe somebody's driving in their car or whatever. Listen, just surrender to Jesus. Just surrender to Jesus. You have a
0: hope unlike any unbeliever as a child of God. Pastor James is going to show you today that if you're a Christian, your sins and actions are wiped clean by Jesus's blood. As you study more of the end-time events in Revelation, you're going to see that you really have nothing to worry about if you're in good standing with God and keep yourself in that place. Satan is powerful, but he can't come close to being able to stand against God or even his angels when it's time for his reign to end. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 19 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: The image that's set up that's resembling him, the false prophet who is leading people astray, also participating in the beheading of individuals who have uh, aligned themselves or devoted their lives to Jesus, scoops them up, throws them into the lake of fire. Like, he doesn't even have time for them. Like, just like <laughs> snatches them up and is like, all right, you guys are gone. You guys are gone. You would think there'd be more, like, oh, these are like big deal guys, right? We, there needs to be more. And God's like, I don't think so. They're just men. They're just men. They're wicked. They're absolutely wicked. They're corrupt. Snatch them up, throw them in the lake of fire. That's where they deserve to go. That's where they belong. That's where they wanted to go. They wanted to be anywhere but with God. And so God's like, all right, have what you want. So you move now because those guys have been dealt with, but they're still the bad guy. Satan, he's still on the scene. So that's why we transitioned into 20 because we don't want to just stop there. We've worked all the way through Revelation. We want to see the bad guy go down too, right? Well, here's his, the end of Satan. It says, then I saw an angel came down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent, the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a 1,000 years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so that Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he would be released again for a little while. That causes some, like, why, why? okay? We'll address that. Um, some important things to note. John looks and he sees an angel. This isn't Michael. This isn't Gabriel. He didn't even know this angel's name, as far as we know. This is just another angel. And this one, just another angel is more than strong enough to bound up the devil, Satan, the dragon, with this chain. He just comes down, locks him up, picks him up, throws him into the bottomless pit, slams the door, and puts a padlock on that thing. This is just an angel. We have this really, really messed up view of who Satan is. We attribute to him. Now, listen, I don't go poking bears, OK? Like, I'm not looking to, you know, starting in trouble. But he's not as strong as what we think he is. Is he smarter than I am? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Does he know the word better than I do? Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. Absolutely. I mean, he's an angel. But he's not stronger than any other angels. He doesn't even come close to Jesus. Like, that's the thing. is like, it's always Jesus versus Satan, and which one's going to win? No, that's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. Jesus made him along with all the other angels. And so this one angel who's like up in heaven will maybe meet this guy one day. And he's like, oh, and we're like, well, who's that guy over there? Oh, I'm just a guy. I locked up Satan. Like, I threw him into the bottomless pit. Oh, they didn't even tell us your name. He's like, I know, I know. I'm just a normal angel. I'm just a regular Joe up here in heaven. We're like, that's who I am. So he doesn't even get a name, but it doesn't matter because all it takes is an angel to bound up the most wicked thing that has made its presence, you know, known here on this earth. An angel shows up and locks him up. Now, again, you guys understand you've been with us through the book of Revelation. We don't go spewing uh, insults at the devil. He's still a roaring lion who prowls around seeking whom he may devour, okay? I don't care if he doesn't have teeth, all right? Still, a lion with no teeth and no claws can still hurt you, all right, like I'm trying to mess with but the Lord rebuke you, the Lord rebuke you, but I'm not going to attribute power to somebody who doesn't have it, who doesn't have it. I'm not going to live in fear of an angel who doesn't even compete with the God who takes up residency with inside of me. Now is he oppressive? Yeah. Do him and the other fallen angels, do they mess with us and cause issues? Yeah, absolutely. They're the enemy. For sure. They are the enemy. They are wicked. But please know this. Have proper perspective on this. It only takes an unknown angel from heaven to lock up Satan. That's it. Jesus doesn't come down and do it. He doesn't come down and do it. He's still on the horse. He didn't even have to get off the horse. He's just like, hey, angel, Bob, Bob, hey, come. Yeah, no, he's in the back. Okay, bring him out. Bob, go get him. Really, I get to yeah, yeah. We go throw Bob a bone. Bob's like, yes, I get to do something. Um, I, we don't know who this angel is, but this is pretty awesome gig for this guy. He's been waiting for the whole history of the world. He's like, this is my moment. This is it. Like, this is my moment. There you go. Good job, angel. Good job. He wraps him up. There's no struggle. There's no epic cosmic battle. There's none of that. Satan is bound, and the way that this is phrased, just so we understand, it's as simple as it's said. There was no, like, back and forth, a 12-round epic bout between this angel and Satan. No, he shows up with the chain, and he wraps him up. Done, done. It seems pretty simple. Like, he's defeated. But he gets thrown into the bottomless pit, where he gets to be locked up for a 1,000 years. You're like, why do you let them out? (laughs) Why? Well, we'll explain that. There's this renewing that needs to happen on this planet, okay? There's a renewing that needs to take place on this planet because we have messed this place up. Um, Don't kid yourself. We as humanity have absolutely wrecked God's creation. There's just no getting around it, okay? I'm not like a Greenpeace person or anything like that, but we have trashed this planet, okay? Remember when you grew up in your parents' house? you trashed their room that they let you sleep in, okay? It was theirs. It was never yours. And we do a, such a great job of just wrecking what doesn't belong to us. So there's going to be this time of restoration and renewal and all the good stuff. Here's what's happening as well. Just a sneak peek. Um, people are still going to be alive and still be having babies and all this good stuff. So the world will get 1,000 years to repopulate, basically, so, you're going to have people who are born. I mean, a thousand years, this always blows me away of like, that's a really long time. So, you're going to have lots of people having babies and all this good stuff, and lots of people who are going to be growing up who the tribulation time is like, what are you talking about? Well, now that's the seven years that we went through, that was like 800 years ago. What are you talking about? And they'll see Jesus. I mean, but so there's going to be people who come up. During this time period, who have no relationship with Jesus at all? So you got to figure out, like, well, where's their allegiance? And that's a good chance why Satan is released after a thousand years because, well, he's going to rally up another battle. Look at he does. It doesn't take him long. Um, verse four, chapter twenty. It says, and I saw thrones and people sitting on them have been given authority to judge. This is ruling and reigning with Christ. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus for proclaiming the word of God. That's why they lost their lives during this tribulation time. Uh, they were proclaiming the word of God, and they would not bow down. They would not worship the Antichrist and all that stuff. And it cost them their heads, literally. They're proclaiming the word of God. It says, "And I saw the souls of those who had uh, not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted the mark or his mark on their forehead or their hands. And they came to life again. They reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is all part of that ruling and reigning for Christ. And we'll cover this next week: the millennial reign. Okay, Um, what that looks like for Um, us—ruling and reigning with Him for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed." And holy are those who shared in the first resurrection. Uh, For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. So of all the people dying during the tribulation, the believers are resurrected, Okay, The other guys, well, you're going to have to wait your turn, Okay, Because there's a second death that's going to be happening. So but concerning those who were actual believers in Christ, This is the deal. They come back, they're resurrected, and they get to rule and reign with Christ, Okay, So alongside with the church and others who preceded us, ruling and reigning with him. So let's deal with Satan. It says, when the thousand years had ended, Satan was led out of his prison. It says he will go out and deceive the nations from every corner of the earth, which are called Gog and Magog, very common names. We've seen that in Ezekiel. We've already seen that in Revelation as well. He will gather them together for another battle. Like, come on, dude, when are you going to... Oh, he's not. He's not going to learn. This time. This time we'll get him. I've had a 1,000 years to plan this out. This time we're going to get him. He will gather them together for a battle, a mighty host, um, as numberless as the sand along the shore. This is what should be heartbreaking because... After a 1,000 years, he's able to gather up probably a bigger army than what he had before he was thrown into prison. All these people on earth repopulating and all this good stuff, I mean, he's able to assemble quite a significant army to fight against Jesus. It says, verse 9, then I saw them as they went up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. So here they are, these armies are coming together. And they're attacking, you know, all this good stuff. And just when it seems like, man, how are we going to survive this? God just like Super Mario Brothers style, just throws out a fireball, just and boom, done, done. Takes a word, the first battle, a little fireball, the second battle, and they're consumed, these armies. Verse 10, it says, then the devil who betrayed them was thrown into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There, they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And it'll be that moment. It's done. It's done. No more Antichrist, no more false prophet, no more Satan to have to deal with within your life. It's done. Done. He's finished. There to suffer forever tormented day and night, forever and ever, in the lake of fire. So we sort out the other group here. Before you can get a new Jerusalem and a new heaven and a new earth and all that stuff, there's got to be some sorting out that takes place. Where do the guys go who died during the tribulation who didn't believe in Jesus? What happens to all those people who, regardless of the time frame of when they lived concerning history, They never gave their life to Jesus. What happens to those people? And that's answered right here. Verse 11, I saw a great white throne, and I saw the one who was sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from its presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to the things written in the books. So you got the book of life, but then there's also other books. And we know that from other accounts from the scriptures, every word you say is accounted for. Well, that's kind of eye-opening. Every word, every word, every deed you do, it's accounted for. What you want is for those records to be wiped clean, like a slate, clean slate. That only happens through the blood of Jesus. That only happens through the surrender of Jesus. But if you don't want him, if you don't want Jesus, if you don't want the fact that he drank from the cup of the wrath and you would rather drink from it yourself, there has to be this understanding that you have to give account for everything. Oh, it is far better to stand in this judgment. This is not for believers. This is for unbelievers. We do not go to this great white throne judgment. Why? Because when God looks at us, covered by the blood of his Son, it's not so for those who have rejected Jesus. So these books are open. It says, and they were judged according to the things written in the books and according to what they had done. I mean, it's as simple as that. It says, the sea gave up the dead in it. And death and the grave gave up the dead in them. So I mean, this is like everybody, everybody. They were all judged according to their deeds. And death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. So death is no more. No more need of any graves, none of that stuff. It's thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. Verse 15, and anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Based on what? Based on their deeds. But I was a good person. That's not the standard. That's not the standard. But I followed the Ten Commandments. No, you didn't. Um, And that's not it. You can't. We know that. I mean, we should understand that. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who think that. Like, well, I'm doing good. I'm not, like, killing anybody. And I'm not, you're missing the point. The Ten Commandments, the law, it's the standard that humanity can never attain. Like, we can never hit that mark. We can never, ever, ever hit that mark until Jesus showed up on the scene and smashed that because he lived it, he fulfilled it, perfect. All so that you could avoid, that we could avoid this moment in history. And not just for that, but also to have this intimacy with him and a relationship with him and forever with him and all that. And even just the amazing things that we get to experience on this earth by knowing him and being known by him. The people that are mentioned in here, I mean, they're judged according to their deeds. And I can tell you this, there probably will be a lot of individuals who have more good deeds than I probably did on this planet. Good deeds, good intentions, they don't get you into heaven. They just don't. What's the uh, saying? The path to hell is paved by good intentions of others. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be a wake-up call. Sadly, I mean, we went through this in Philippians, uh, towards the end of Philippians chapter 2. In the end, at this moment, Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. The unfortunate reality is that for whoever's name is not written in the book of life, it's too late. It's too late. That doesn't make God mean. That doesn't make him bad. That doesn't make him hateful. He has given humanity every single opportunity to turn to him. If we just take a step back and look at the simplicity of the gospel and the beauty of it, it is it is the most purest thing. God the Father sent His Son to die on the cross for us so that our sins could be atoned for, and all it takes is just believing in Him and receiving that free gift of salvation. It doesn't get any easier than that, and yet... I don't know how many, it doesn't say. And I'm kind of glad it doesn't say. But there will be a crowd that, to the very end, has rejected and rejected and rejected. I don't want you. I don't want your gospel. I don't want anything that you have to offer. And this is the sobering reality. is because this judgment day will come. It will come. And we don't know how far away this thing is. Because technically, this thing could be seven years away. Well, seven years plus a thousand, because you know, we gotta account for that, right? (laughs) So, but I mean, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day to the Lord when we're there with him, it'll be like that thousand years whoo kind of comes and goes fast. This day is imminent. It's imminent. And I you know, I'm grateful for all you guys that are here today, but also for anybody who's watching online, man. You wanna avoid this. It's much better to be on the winning side the side where it's like, I don't fear the great white throne judgment. I don't, because I'm covered by His blood. It's His righteousness is what clothes me. You know, it covers me. We will have our own judgment, and that'll be based on our works and our deeds and all that stuff. We, there'll be an accounting for believers as well, but it's not based on sin in that sense of like, that's covered for Christians, But there will be this judgment, and it's solely for those who have rejected Jesus. And so I would say, Christians, let's let this motivate us to share the gospel with people. Anybody watching online or maybe down the road, this eventually will be on the radio, I'm sure. So maybe somebody's driving in their car or whatever. Listen, just surrender to Jesus. Just surrender to Jesus. And it's as simple as, Lord, you say you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that. I am a sinner. I'm going to tell you right now, I am a sinner. I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I am a sinner. And I have, 20 years after following him, it is so much easier for me to acknowledge and and proclaim that than maybe when I first got saved, right? I didn't think it was all that bad. I knew it was bad, but come on. Now I'm like, I'm wretched. I'm a wretched man. And thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross and saving this wretched man. So that's what we want. That's what we want for our loved ones. That's what we want for humanity. That's what we want for humanity. That's what we want for the people we don't agree with. That's what we want for the people who we perceive to be the enemy, although they're not the enemy. They might be used by the enemy, but they're not the enemy. This is what we want. Why is this what we want? Because this is what God wants. He wishes that none would perish apart from Him. He wishes that this would not be the reality for however many people it's going to be a reality for, but he's not going to force them into heaven. If this is what you want, then have at it. So we live in a church time. This is the age of grace, is what they call it. This is the time where we get to represent Jesus. We get to proclaim the gospel. We get to share it with people in whatever form or fashion we can, at whatever opportunity comes our way. Let's keep this last little portion of revelation fresh on our hearts and our minds as we're talking to people, because the last thing you want is for the person that you maybe despise the most for this to be true of them, which would probably be a good word for, especially within our world today, as you know, we're heading towards an election, and it's like, you can't hate this person, and you can't hate that person, and... May it never be said of any Christians that they wish that this would happen to anybody. I don't care who they are. It should break our hearts that this is going to be a reality for people. Because it breaks his heart. It should break our heart. Man, let's be praying, praying for those family members that we love so much. Let's be praying for co-workers. Let's be praying for people. Man, when that person's image gets projected onto the screen. Now, I know for some Christians, they hate Donald Trump. You can't hate him. You can't. Some people hate Joe Biden. You can't hate him. That's sin. That's sin. Why don't you pray for him? Let's pray for him. Pray for Barack Obama. I don't care what kind of a president he was. Let's pray for him. Let's pray for whoever else. Let's pray for these people when we see their images. And that thing happens inside of us because it happens to me, just like it happens to you. You're like, Ugh, I don't like. No, pray for them. Pray for them. Because I don't care who they are. I don't want this to be the reality for them. And that's hard when you hear of certain stories and stuff. But I think as Christians, we ought to be moved with compassion. We ought to be to this place of like, "You know what? My Lord, I pray, I pray you snatch them out of the fire, just like you snatch me out of the fire. Please. Let's look for those opportunities, um, because what we want is for chapter 21 in chapter 22 to be a reality for the people that we love for sure. Let's kind of be like Charles Spurgeon. He was one of those fired up kind of guys who was like, you know what? Let's take as many in with us as we possibly can, right? Now, of course, you know, the Holy Spirit working, all that good stuff. But we have a responsibility to share the gospel. So let's try to get as many to come with us as possible. Because Revelation 21 and 22 rock. They are the coolest part about the Bible. They are amazing. And uh, man, nothing gets me more fired up than to see what is to come. What's to come.
0: That's all we have time for today on Bread for the Broken. We're so glad that you joined us as Pastor James Grizzle teaches through Revelation, the last book in the Bible. Revelation can sometimes feel like a daunting book to read or to even begin to understand. But it does hold incredible truth and hope, the hope of a better world, a healed world, a whole world, a time when God restores all that is broken. So don't be afraid of what's to come. If you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind, you have nothing to fear. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more verse-by-verse teachings from Pastor James, visit BreadForTheBroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. We'd love to meet you in person too, so if you're in the area, join us this weekend for worship at Calvary Galveston. We're a church of ordinary people, striving to love and live just like Jesus did. We meet every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. to start the week out right with worship. We're pretty relaxed, so please just come as you are. Find out more by navigating to our church website, breadforthebroken.com. If you're unable to join us in person, we also live stream our services on Facebook so that you can join us virtually too. Just search for Calvary Galveston. If you've been blessed by this program, would you let us know? You can connect with us through the contact page at breadforthebroken.com. Would you also consider partnering with us financially in spreading the gospel message? You can find out more and donate securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken.
2: Let me-